We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Smothering defense. They get the turnover. No kick ball called. Three on one. Shamit cut a body and one. And he's hurt some feelings too. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. Sam, they did it. They did it. They won they one. Did it without Devin Booker. Two more to go. That's all it takes, right? Two more to go. Two out of four. That's all you need. This wasn't the most convincing win in the world. It was a three-point win. Yeah, but, but like God a fake it. three-point win, right? It was, it was just, a fake three-point <laughs> yeah. win. You know, but at best it was like you know a six-seven-point win that was whittled down with free throws. My point was. I don't think they're satisfied here, and there's a lot we can talk about. But holy shit, they did it. Yeah. And they really needed it. They really needed to steal this one. Yeah. Because just speaking for myself, we streamed this one. This was a playback game, and I was going to be sick to my stomach if they lost this one. Yeah. And at certain points in the game when the Pelicans took a lead, I I felt ill. So (laughs) thank God for uh, a couple guys who anchored us throughout the night. DeAndre Ayton really being that guy through the first three quarters, especially the first half. And Chris Paul, what else is there to say? Right. It is It is pretty amazing, right? Because Devin Booker goes out. The two best players, obviously Chris Paul is the best player left when Devin Booker's out. And then you're, you know, you have a competition, you could say, for the third best player. But in this game, it was absolutely DeAndre Ayton without a doubt. He completely dominated the first quarter. And the second quarter, really, I think he had fourteen in the in the first quarter and and twelve maybe in the in the second quarter, and then uh, they really started sending two guys at him. They tried to shut down his his path to the rim as much as possible. What we've seen a lot of times with DeAndre and when he dominates first halves, they always bring another guy, and that left other guys open. And look, I'm gonna say it right now, I can't take it. I can't take this. They got to make shots. I can't take another game where they don't make any threes. It's driving me insane, Sam. Like it's going it's just driving me insane. They got to start making shots at some point, right? I I just I don't even know how it's possible that this continues to happen where they just can't hit any threes. It's bizarre. Yep. It's tough. 
It's really tough, man. You're in a situation now where I think you evaluate the way the team played overall tonight. And like they had 26 assists to five turnovers. That's Phoenix Suns basketball. They destroyed the Pelicans in terms of points in the paint, which without Devin Booker is really impressive because you're not getting a lot of room uh, uh, driving or, or rim pressure. Yeah, from from traditional sources. Right. Um, so you look at a lot of those factors and it looks pretty good for you. You only need to win two of the next four. You need to make threes. You need to make threes. They won tonight despite a 15% from deep. It's it's immediately after the game, so the stats haven't updated, and I haven't had time to do math before we hopped on the, the mics here. But I'd reckon that if you take out Devin Booker going nuclear mm-hmm. in the first two games of the series, first game and a half, uh, the rest of the Phoenix Suns are shooting probably about 20, between 20 and 25% as a team from deep not including Devin Booker in this series. It has to improve if you want to win. The good news is, if you just believe that this team, which is not the best three-point shooting team in the league by any means, but has been solidly top 10, back end of the top 10, like a 37%, maybe close to 38% three-point shooting team this season. If they just shot that average rate for the rest of the series, I mean, Mike, in a game like this tonight, if instead of shooting four for 26 from deep, you shoot you know, nine of 26, eight of 26, suddenly we're talking about an easy 15 point victory. Mm -hmm. You're barely, frankly, you're barely breaking a sweat at that point. And New Orleans shot, they regressed from their season best rate of 55% in game two, which allowed them to kill us last game, in addition to a bunch of other stuff, which was legitimately, you know, we talked about it and it was a great coaching performance by them in the last game too. But they regressed from that 55% three-point shooting rate down to 34% this game, Mm -hmm. which is right around their season average. So if they shoot like this and the Suns shoot like they're supposed to, you feel really, really good going forward. But at the end of the day, hey, guys got to make shots. Yeah. I mean, Jay, (laughs) I don't know what to say about Jay, man, but the the specific... The, spe- the specific looks, he finally got a two to go at the end. I thought it was a three. I was like, yeah. thank God he made one. Exactly the same as the last game. Two. A three with same his thing foot that happened as the yeah. last game. But it's more so the fact that the looks that he's getting, they're good looks. Everyone. They they, and they, they took how many threes again? Let's see. They took they 27. Took 26. 26 threes. And like what? Yeah. Three of them were heavily contested. Maybe two of them were heavily contested. Yeah. Most of them were uh, wide open. With Jay specifically, man, these weren't bricks. These were advanced bricks. I mean, they were they were way off. They yeah, were not even close. Right. You know, then and then but but this is what's so difficult about it. So you had four guys who were really anchoring your offense all night, if we're being honest. Um and I say really it's two guys, but in a more looser sense it was four. You could throw in Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges there, who Cam Johnson made a couple threes. He was like the only one to do it. Mikhail Bridges scored some points, definitely stat padded a little bit at the end. Not literally, but like he scored 17 points in this game. He probably had closer to like nine or 11 going into the fourth quarter and then made some free throws at the end. Mm-hmm. But those guys were generally involved in the offense. Oh, JaVale as well. Yeah, JaVale had a great game. And, you know, we'll talk about him. We'll talk about him at some point. But I just I just want to bring up Jay. So you have Jay. He comes out. He shoots like shit. You bring in Landry thinking that, OK, this is the this is the injection that we need into our offense that is going to bring life into this offensive execution right now. Luckily, this is a deep team. And then Landry shoots 0 for 5 from deep as well. Mm-hmm. Campaign never gets going offensively. Yeah. And it's just like, there's another gear that they can so obviously take this to. They're not going to be as elite of an offense without Devin Booker. But 114 points tonight, shooting 16 or or 15% from deep, that's really encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, st- strategically, this game was going to be a tough game no matter what, right? No Devin Booker. The defense had to be good. The rebounding, I thought, in this game was particularly interesting. Uh, I mean, the Suns still lost the rebound battle pretty dramatically. But more than that, they won the field goal battle. And what I mean by that is the Pelicans shot 79 shots. The Suns shot 87. This is the first game of the series where the Suns took more shots than the Pelicans. And that matters. I mean, that that's going to matter a lot. The Suns can win games when the other team shoots more field goals than them, as long as they, you know, don't turn the ball over and shoot a higher percentage overall. But in a game like this, where they shot 15% from three, you got to take more shots than them to win, right? That's going to matter a lot. And they did that by forcing a lot of turnovers. The Pelicans turned it over 14 times. The Suns, in an, in an amazing game, only had five turnovers as a whole. Chris Paul, by the way, 14 turnovers. Again, with zero. I'm 14. sorry, 14 assists. 14, <laughs> 14 turnovers. Assists. He's never done Could that in you his imagine? Life. Yeah. Could you imagine? Never has no, that happened. The podcast man. would just fold at that point. I think we would just have to yeah. end it if somehow Chris Paul came out in what we called a potential legacy game for him and had 14 turnovers, but no, a remarkable game by him to the point where the Pelicans fans really started turning on him at the end. There was even an F Chris Paul chant. You can fill in the rest of that. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Respect your elders. Respect your elders. Come on. (laughs) But I think being able to uh, find a way to win that battle, be able to have more possessions, more shooting possessions than the Pelicans was huge. And it's honestly something I didn't expect. I think they did a really good job fighting on the boards this game, even if they gave up more uh, then, then the Pelicans were able to get more rebounds. I still think they did a really good job. Yeah, I thought they did a terrific job. First of all, Jonas uh, Valanciunas was l- limited much more in this game. Offensively, he didn't score as much. He only had six points, but also just he he played fewer minutes. They decided to go more towards Larry Nance in this game. They they balanced their minutes out about 50-50 in total. So I think I'm looking here. Jonas played 26 minutes. He still grabbed 11 rebounds. He still grabbed five offensive rebounds. That's what he's out there to do. But there's a big difference between 11 rebounds in 26 minutes and 25 rebounds in 30 minutes or whatever it was in game one, mm-hmm. you know? So as for other guys, Larry Nance grabbed a few offensive rebounds, but for the most part, they really were able to limit them. Um, Jackson Hayes being a dummy, a certified dummy, yeah. uh, definitely, definitely on the list there. now on the list. Of course, he's on the list. Landry got him, though. Yeah. Landry got him. Yeah, Landry definitely got How him. How about talk yeah. about unexpected talk yeah. about unexpected play of the game. When Landry dunks in the first place, it's crazy because he had that dunk in uh in the last game and then he came in with another hard drive. Like I said, wasn't making his threes tonight, but comes in with a hard drive, dunks it with two hands again, and I thought, "Okay, that already was pretty crazy." Then like 2 minutes later, he yams it One on hand, Jackson yeah. Hayes. Yep. And and at that point, people were joking around with us in the playback stream. They were like, "Oh, Landry got him." Jackson's on the list now and I was like Jackson's not on the list no, for that yeah. like he's just that a foul was, normal foul that, it was just a normal foul he was just he was just trying to go up contest like any other poster dunk it's it's whatever he's just you know he's playing defense and then like two minutes later he's an absolute dummy and shoves um Jay Crowder in the yeah. back uh and in at the that face point, it's like okay <laughs> In the face, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was his front side, actually, not his yeah. back side. But Jay initially had his back to try and rebound, but then yeah. shoved him in the front. Yeah, and, and now he's on the list. Yeah. He wasn't on the list because of the Landry dunk. He's on the list because of the Jay Crowder beef. And I will point out also, I mean, game four now for New Orleans at home is kind of must-win game for them too, right? Yeah. This series is going to start getting chippy. I mean, yeah. you, can feel a bubble, yeah. you can feel a bubbling a little bit. 
Yeah. Maybe not so much with the star players. Like, I don't so much get that vibe from... I don't think CJ is just... He's, you know, he's not Jimmy Butler or whatever. Like, he doesn't have right. that demeanor. Right. Same with Brandon Ingram. I don't really get that vibe from Ingram necessarily. No. no. The role players in this series, it's going to start getting chippy. Yeah. I mean, the Suns really... What well, We have Chris Paul, who, of course... We'll get into it with anyone. Devin Booker being out. Devin Booker's one of those guys. Obviously, Jay Crowder is going to be getting into it. And I think it was right for him to go at the Jackson Hayes after he got shoved because they didn't blow the whistle initially. It really wasn't until after he got up and went at Jackson that they actually called a foul on Jackson Hayes in that scenario. So it was smart for him to get up and draw more attention to it at that point. But the Suns don't have a lot of guys like that either. But I, I do think you're right. I mean, Jackson Hayes is an obvious one. I don't think Herb is really like that, but we'll see, right? Back against the wall, people Herb's change. Like um, there are certain guys on the Suns. You know what, though? It's it's like I don't think they're – look, Jay, uh, he, he wasn't deserving of this. He didn't instigate this particular situation. But just you look at his career and in general he yeah. is – an instigator. He yeah, just is. It's his job. There are other guys on the Suns. They're not instigators, but they are enforcers, and they will back their guys. Yeah. You know, JaVale McGee, Torrey Craig. Yeah, that's They're true. dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not going to back down if they if if they get provoked, it could turn into something. Right. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. I think you're definitely right about that. Uh, yeah. It, it was. It was pretty interesting. I just want to give a shout out to. We got to talk more about DeAndre Ayton because I think this game yes. was yep. was particularly amazing from him, in 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 a lot of ways because. We've seen it before. The way he kills teams often is on switches, right? He'll get a guy under the rim that's smaller than him and shoot a little hook shot over him. That's not really the case in this game. I mean, he hit a three, which he's done in multiple games so far, but he was hitting floaters over Valanchunas and posting him up. And his post-ups weren't just post him up, turn around and shoot a fadeaway. No, he was dribbling. He was like forcing contact into Valanchunas, forcing his shoulder into him and then moving around enough to get the the hook shot off over him closer to the rim. And what I think is particularly amazing about this for him is that he was stringing together multiple moves, whether it be a pump fake, then turning around, posting up, faking over the right shoulder, and then going over the left shoulder, that kind of thing. That's just not something he was capable of doing in the past. So to move his game along even further from what he was when he came into the league to now, feeling confident giving him the ball against a guy who, truthfully, has given him trouble throughout his career in Valanciunas, Mm -hmm. and counting on him to create his own shot in that scenario is massive. I mean, he can't be undersold how amazing he did when he was matched up against Valanciunas in this game. Yeah, I mean, he finished 13 for 20 for the field. He even made a three in that first half as well. And dude, I mean, if he just had like, if he just shot 50% on those floaters and hook shots instead of the 80% or whatever he did, the Suns lose this game. It's that simple. He carried the offense throughout the entire first half at a time when we couldn't get anything else going. And became like the purest embodiment of trial by fire. Exactly as you said. The fact that the DeAndre Ayton who we've known for 99% of his career. Who's a a good offensive player when he needs to be. But let's be honest. He'll catch the ball. He'll face up. 95% of the time he just takes that shot. He takes that face up shot. And tonight he was catching it at the elbow. On the low block. Yes he faces up. And then he strings together a package of two or three moves. He dribbles. He he guards his dribble so that the help comes and jabs at him and he doesn't turn the ball over when that happens, which has happened to him in the past. And then finishes with the tough hooks, the tough turnaround middies. Like he had the full package on display tonight. And low key, like the hook shot, we know he's had the hook shot, but some of these shots 
seemed way out of his typical comfort zone right. and just seemed to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, you know, so at a certain point, like when it was still the first half and I'm seeing his point total tick up and now he's got 22 and 24 and I'm thinking, oh my God, some of these shots are, are insane. Yeah. Like after five dribbles. Ability, yeah. After five dribbles, his ability to carry the offense right now, we've never seen anything like that out of this guy. So it's, it's, it's incredible. a perfect time for it to come. It's incredible. And no, no slander shall be accepted no. out of DeAndre Ayton after tonight because this was a perfect game. And I also hope game from him. I hope those of you who are listening are able to appreciate what he did in the first half without lamenting the lack of shots that he got in the second half because that's it's just what happened. That's just offensively. What happened was when he was catching the ball, they were sending a second guy at him and his job when they send a second guy at him is to pass out of that. And then other not guys Not to create. mention, you know, not to mention like... On the one hand, yes. Is it nice if DeAndre, who had 21 in the first half or whatever, would it be nice if he had a 40-point game in the playoffs? Sure. I'm sure his agent would love that, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, you're trying to win the game. And what happened in the early fourth quarter? We get down to the early fourth quarter. It's a close game. The Suns still can't hit threes. Chris Paul sees that the Pelicans are still in a drop coverage. They're not going to go away from their drop coverage and, and start trapping him until after he strings together eight straight points on mid-range buckets in the fourth quarter. And it's like you get to that stage in the game, you expect Chris Paul to not take those shots. You know, guys play different roles in the offense at various points throughout the game. And once it became the fourth quarter, I'm sure the Suns would have loved to feed Aiton a little bit more. But as you were pointing out, the defensive pressure intensified on him. And so the rest of the offense reacts to that. And it's a it's a very natural ebb and flow with this team where one guy doesn't necessarily get fed throughout the game. And it's always been like that. And it's it's good that that is the way that it is for Phoenix. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's something I just figured out. Mikael Bridges, 17 points, two assists, two rebounds, four for nine shooting, meaning he had 17 points on nine shots. Previous to today, Mikael Bridges' career high in free throw attempts was eight. In this game, he went nine for nine. He had a new career high, at least compared to his regular season numbers, and free throw attempts in this game. And look, some of that came at the end of the game. I think he shot. He was getting four. hacked. At I think the he end. shot four yeah. free throws right at the end of the yeah. game. But I do think that's a stat that's indicative of the role that he is now playing without Devin Booker on the floor. Whether it be the five free throws he took before the four at the end because he's attacking the rim, 
or attacking from the mid-range area, taking contested shots, or it be that he's the second option when they're trying to get the ball into Chris Paul and they don't have him, so they find Mikael Bridges. He's the guy that's going to take those. And I think, I mean, as far as efficiency goes, as much as the Suns struggled from three-point land in this game, Mikael took one. He was 0 for 1 in this game, but still had 17 points on nine shots. And that's to be able to be that level of efficient as a wing without hitting three-point shots is huge. And and they're going to need another big game from him going forward because he's essentially... And a lot of the plays, some people were asking in the stream why he hadn't taken more threes. Well, he's doing the elbow stuff, right? He's he's around the elbow where, where Devin Booker has been. That means he's under the three-point line to start a lot of these plays. So he's either cutting or be- catching it below the three-point line. Right, because there's there's only three wings, or there are three wings on the floor at once. When the Suns go to their elbow set, Chris Paul's at the top of the top of the key. Aiton's going to be in one of the elbow positions, and then two wings are in the corners. And yeah. typically, Mikhail Bridges would be one of those guys yeah. when when the Suns are playing with their usual lineup. But now, what they're doing is they're having Cam Johnson in one corner or Landry Shamit sometimes, Jay Crowder in the other corner, and then Mikhail plays the other elbow position. So he's he's just not in the same space to like necessarily have the defense break down and get an open three as a result. He'll still get them. One is still, that's a low number for Mikhail Bridges to play literally 40 minutes and only shoot one. I mean, I'd like to believe that there will be transition defense breakdowns for him later on in the series. The threes will start flowing at some point, but he won't get the same number of raw attempts yeah. if he's just playing a different role in the half court offense. Yeah. And it's good, right? Cause if somebody is going to put some sort of pressure, uh, taking paint shots off the dribble you basically want that to be Mikael Bridges outside of Chris Paul and DeAndre, and he's the best at that. In fact, he's one of the best in the NBA in the regular season at shooting non-restricted area paint shots. I think he was third or fourth in the NBA from that area. So you want him taking those shots, and if, if that's the shots you're going to get because of the way that they're defending the Suns, then he's got to take even more of those going forward. What do you think, adjustments-wise, Part of the way I approach this, right, I look at the box score, I look at the stats, and I think what scares me being that the Suns won this game and what makes me feel better that the Suns won this game as far as in the future, I'll I'll say it right now, what scares me is that the Suns won this game by three points and JaVale McGee had 15 points. That's a little scary because that's not sustainable in any way. What makes me feel better is that they shot so poorly from three, and that's clearly something that could uh, get better. So if JaVale only has eight points in the next game, but they shoot better from three, that's going to make up for that difference. Uh, but what do you think stands out as far as what could change in the future? The JaVale thing is interesting because there were stretches of the game where, I mean, part of it is JaVale, like defense breaks down. He rolls to the rim, you know, rim gravity and whatever that he has. And he just gets layups or lobs. Like he's typically supposed to function in the offense. But this game in particular was interesting with JaVale because there were stretches where the Suns literally could not buy a bucket from anyone else. And so they just started generating switches and like Nance would be in the game and they would get smalls or sometimes Nance on JaVale and either way it would be a size mismatch and like they were going to him in the post in a way that they typically don't. But what was kind of surprising about that, like I didn't feel like JaVale was doing anything super out of the ordinary in those. Like he tried maybe one fancy hook shot or something yeah. that he missed. Yeah. But for the most part, he was just catching, yeah. and he had an obvious size mismatch. Yeah. And by the time he caught the ball, he was at the rim. He didn't have to do any work on the block. He was not catching the ball on the block, facing up, and doing the DeAndre Ayton thing. He was he was doing a duck-in, where he's literally sealing off the player, um, whoever whoever's his defensive assignment at that point, 
right underneath the basket and he's already at the rim as long as he's able to catch that he just needs to go up with it right and so i didn't feel like his offense you know if they don't want to play valanchunas for large stretches of the game and they're gonna go small i didn't feel like that was all that unsustainable for javel necessarily i thought he he had a really good That's game good naturally yeah. but you know a lot of his offense felt natural to me and the three-point stuff I, that's the key to the rest of the series. Yeah, they can really blow, just they shoot. can blow them out if they shoot well, right? If they if they if shoot, shoot in a way that brings them to more average, that would mean they would have at least one game where they shoot well above average because they've been shooting well below average so far. If all other things are equal from tonight, if you apply all all of the defensive intensity and the effort from tonight, and by the way, let's you know let's not lose sight of the fact that Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum combined for sixty four points in this game. This was not. Like some bum performance from Ingram and McCollum, where it's like, oh well, they're obvious, you know. Like it's, it's not like uh, Kevin Durant shooting four for seventeen against the Celtics the other night, and people being like, well, obviously KD's not going to shoot four for seventeen again. Ingram went eleven for nineteen, CJ went eleven for twenty three. He made four threes. I thought you made life tough for them. Like I thought they got difficult looks, but they did what they're supposed to do in terms of their own roles in the offense they made difficult shots and it didn't matter so if all other things are equal going forward in the series but you just shoot 35 percent from deep which is a very average number instead of 15 percent yes you can blow them out you really can mm -hmm. you're, you're you really can your point about javel is interesting because i think it's a question of how they defend the suns going forward because with deandre and on the floor they weren't switching they were doing their best to not switch because they know that DeAndre is going to kill that switch. With JaVale McGee on the floor, they were switching everything. And I think in that that stretch, I think when JaVale really killed it was with Chris Paul as well. So I wonder if they're going to continue with that strategy and just force JaVale to prove that he can do it more than once or if they're going to try something different because maybe when Chris Paul's on the floor and JaVale's on the floor, they're going to go to trapping. In fact, I anticipate they're going to trap more in general. Uh, because it just I expected it more before the game uh, during the playback. I guess I said maybe they're saving the traps for the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's when they did it. They started trapping Chris Paul in the fourth quarter, even away from the screen, which is smart, right? Because he's essentially the only star player, if you want to call him uh, the only star player on the Suns. Obviously, we had other guys that played like stars in this game, but uh, if you're trapping, that's smart because you're taking away the guy that's best at creating his own shot. So I anticipate they're going to do that more. I would expect, especially with JaVale on the floor, they're probably not going to switch as much because that's really where they dominated. But maybe they're going to just dare him to do it again. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I do think they're going to they're gonna trap a lot earlier into the next game. It's, it's difficult, though. It really depends on who the personnel is on the floor. Um, with JaVale, I mean, let me see. How many minutes did JaVale play tonight anyway? Let's see. 12 minutes. 12 minutes, 15 points. It's incredible. Man. That's incredible. I, I know I know the rebounding was where you wanted it to be tonight, right? Like, this was finally a game yeah, where you... Yeah, they still... You, 35 to 45. I mean, they still were down in the rebounding. I'm still down. like... I'm still like... If you get a game where the Suns can actually get their shooting together just a little bit... Like, tonight you needed JaVale because literally no one could make a shot. Yeah. If you're in a night where your wings are hitting threes and they're switching every time and JaVale becomes useless on offense if he really does... Pull him. Yeah. Play play Tory Craig yeah. or Jay Crowder six extra minutes. Or like ish, not, ish not a, right. 
Not a big deal to me. You know, to me, that's one of those things which you don't necessarily have to sweat in terms of the preparation aspect, but you've given everyone the requisite reps throughout the regular season at this point to where if you're Monty Williams, you make an in-game adjustment. You know, if that's the way that the game is going, make an adjustment. I, 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 don't, I don't think that should be an issue for him. At, at this point, like, I would like to play JaVale. By the way, Bismack checked in for one possession. That's so bizarre. In this game. I don't so know. What, <laughs> I, I don't know if someone <laughs> is going to ask a question. Yeah. I don't know if someone's going to ask a question about that after the game, but that, that was weird. Uh, That's fine. It was just weird. Um, I guess the idea was take away any opportunity for DeAndre Ayton to get a foul there and then put him back in on offense to close out the quarter. Yeah. But it was bizarre. It was just a bizarre decision. I, I guess in the maybe a little 4D chess there uh, overthinking it. But look, it didn't end up in a bad way because Biombo was involved in them stealing the ball in that play. So it did kind of, in a way, make Monty look like a genius. It was just a very yeah. weird decision in real time. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why they did it. I'd be interested to see if they ask him to. That would be a funny question to ask after this game, though. Hey, Monty, why did you check Biombo in for nine seconds? That was also- weird. The other thing I'll point out about JaVale, and I understand the Suns are in the first round right now, so you want to be careful because the end goal is a championship, but you also need to get out of the first round. And there's a benefit, by the way, if you can close out this series in five, which you could still do, or six, as opposed to closing it out in seven. We looked up, because someone was curious, I think you asked me, um, or maybe I brought it up and then looked Mm. it up. uh, DeAndre Ayton, the most amount of minutes that he played in the playoffs last year, other than the elimination games of the finals, he played like 44 minutes, which naturally, like those were the games where they were afraid to put Kaminsky on the floor and, and whatever. That was out of necessity. But in the early rounds of the playoffs, there were games against the Clippers especially and also against even the Lakers in the first round where DeAndre Ayton played 42, 43 minutes in a game. Tonight, he played 35 minutes as the Suns, one of their two best players on the floor. Mm-hmm. He finished with only two fouls. He was never in foul trouble. I understand you don't want to fatigue guys too early, but there's another there's another gear you can take it to with this guy as well. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, so I, I you don't even necessarily need to pull Javale if they're switching too too consistently and go small. You could play DeAndre forty minutes. He's young. I think he can take it. Yeah, uh, honestly, yeah. Mikhail plays forty minutes basically every game. I know that they're in different roles and DeAndre's is more physically demanding, but I do think there's another gear that you can take it to if you actually start to feel that that weight, that yeah. desperation a little bit. Yeah. To be able to get out of this game with a W and Mikel Bridges be the only player that played 40 minutes plus is pretty remarkable. Jay Crowder ended with 34. Cam Johnson, 26. Very odd rotation minutes for Cam Johnson due to foul trouble early. I think he's probably going to get more minutes going forward. It's just that doesn't seem like enough, especially when you think about Landry Shamit playing 29 and going – Two for seven, five, three, and three. Fine game. I'm not saying that Shem was bad. I think he was yeah. fine. But I think Cameron Johnson could do a lot more for this team if he's able to no doubt. to get in rhythm and play real minutes. I mean, look, this is a guy we were talking about average sixteen points per game as a starter this year. So this was certainly a letdown of a performance. Um, but you know, I, I I think he'll be ready. I think he'll be ready in the future. Would love to see him just chuck up eight, nine, ten threes in a game if he gets the chance. Uh, on the flip side, I want to talk about the Pelicans rotation yes. as well because like, it's kind of weird what they're doing. I know they had Hayes thrown out of the game, so yeah, they had to adjust around I that, almost right? wish that didn't happen because it would have been nice to see it play out with Hayes <laughs> and see what they plan on doing with Hayes 
you yeah. know, in the second half of a game because now it's sort of a, a different thing that they could throw at the Suns that they didn't have to face in this game in the next game. I don't think he was ultra effective. Uh, you know, I think the Suns starters, as far as against the Pelican starters overall, just kind of outplayed them throughout the game, even with Jackson Hayes on the floor. But it would have been nice to see if they tried different things with him. You know, the transition defense was obviously much better in this game. He was their best transition threat. But yes, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. So what else did you have to say there? No, that's fine. I was just going to point out, yeah, like Trey Murphy was a plus 21 for them, and he was kind of the only guy who that stat will reflect nicely on him in the box score because all of their starters were in the negatives. Some guys on the bench, a couple of them were, were positive. Jose Alvarado had a stretch in the fourth quarter where he was like, he was killing us. Scored nine key. points, I uh, think. Yeah. Scored nine points, took it took it inside again and again, still finished minus 15. Um, and it's just, it's funny because their offense is at a point where you know what Ingram and, and CJ... I think there are three guys, really. You know Ingram, Herb, and CJ are going to play f- close to 40 minutes every night because they have the most clearly defined roles on this Pelicans team. Jackson Hayes was super effective in Game 2, punishing the Suns' transition defense. If he's not able to do that... Granted, like I, you know, some low level of respect towards Jackson Hayes, despite the bitch-ass move he did tonight, but some low level of respect for Jackson Hayes in that I don't actually feel that he's been that targetable for the Suns on offense in this series, so I'll give him credit there. But the spacing thing is still an issue, so if he's not punishing your transition defense, there's not necessarily much of a reason for him to play. They still haven't figured out if they're leaning more on the spectrum towards Jonas, who gives them the better rebounding advantage, or Larry Nance, who gives them the better short roll slash switching defensively advantage. It seems like those guys are split about 24-24. You know, and and then like, like I said, like these small guards like Jose Alvarado, he has his moments. Devontae Graham, he has his moments. He actually hit some threes tonight. But on the whole, they haven't been super effective, either of them, in the rotation for the Pelicans, I wouldn't say. So, like, do they trim the rotation, you know, as they get more desperate in the series? Does it even help them? Like, CJ and Ingram are already playing 40 minutes. So if you were going to trim out some more minutes from Graham and Alvarado, who who exactly are you even giving those to? And does it make them a better basketball team? I'm not necessarily super convinced. It just feels like they have a few guys who have very clearly defined roles on this team. And then several guys who are kind of in the 10 to 20 minute range who can't figure out exactly what they're supposed to be doing yeah. uh, at this point in the series anyway. I was, You know, I think the Jackson Hayes starting, they kind of had to after game two. I think without that performance by him in game two, they probably would have went away from that. Uh, Trey Murphy the third, I think there's a chance that he plays even more minutes. Maybe they do even go to him starting at some point instead of Jackson Hayes and play a little smaller. Because, look, if they're going to continue to shoot like more close to their averages, which is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league, bottom 10, I think. They're like 26th or 27th. 27th. Yeah. yeah. If they're going to continue to shoot at that rate, then you can feel pretty confident trapping guys like CJ and Brandon Ingram, just forcing the ball out of their hands over and over and over again. Because right now, with the last game, I think it makes sense the Suns didn't trap that much in this game. They hit so many threes in the last game then you just try and play them as straight up as possible and just force more difficult shots, well, which they, they did, did a good job of. I think with CJ, that's been mostly the, the approach. With Ingram, I'm still seeing a decent amount of traps when he catches well, the half court. The reason they trap Ingram is because they're content allowing him to start possessions with a small guy on him. Mm-hmm. right? So whether it be Shamit, Chris Paul, or Cameron Payne, once he starts to dribble, then they send the second guy at him and make it as difficult as possible there. But I think once it, when it starts with with either Jay Crowder or Mikael Bridges on Ingram, it didn't seem like they were bringing a second guy that often. 
from my memory. That's a good yeah. No, that's that's a good point. I would go back and watch it. I, I I think that's a good point too on the timing because like if you talk about what's the defense doubling philosophy in general, like I guess people kind of don't realize that philosophically NBA defenses dictate either we're going to double on the catch. Like there are guys where you double them on the catch. Joel Embiid, you yeah. double them on the catch. Yeah. And then there are guys who you double on the dribble. And so you hesitate for a second, see him face up first, see if you can play it straight one-on-one defense, force him into a tough shot. If it's a guy like Ingram who's not necessarily going to drive to the rim quite as much but might settle for a jumper, you feel a little bit more content to let it simmer for a second. And then rather than double on the catch, you double on the dribble. And I think that one or two second hesitation, it's a slight thing. It's a subtle thing in the Suns defense, but I would be interested in going back and rewatching that because if that was their strategy, I'll be honest, I didn't notice uh, at the time at least, but that feels to me like a, a, a good approach on what you would want to do with him throughout the series, just to give him a variety of looks and make life difficult on him without exerting all of your defensive effort, putting all of your eggs in one basket, if you will. What's your panic level on campaign? One for five in this game. Oh, man, that's a good question. Didn't look very uh, my good pa- again, I think. My, my panic level on campaign is probably one through five, you said? One for five in this game. Sorry. Oh, one for five. Yeah. Uh, you one, can go okay, one through five if you want. No, 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 no. On a scale, <laughs> on a one scale to ten of one is to usually ten, what we do, yeah. A scale of one to ten. My panic level for campaign in this series is not high. Yeah. My panic level for campaign to play at the level the Suns will eventually need him to play at to win a championship when the margins become tighter is probably around a seven right now. Yeah. It's not so much there right now for the series. And, and granted, I know the Suns have a lot of work cut out in front of them. If they want to even still get past the series, not out of the woods, but you know, going into potential series against the warriors or, uh, I don't even know who the fuck it's going to be. Dallas, maybe Maybe even, even Dallas, maybe, you know, talking about, uh, a, a series against, like, hypothetically, a final series against Boston where they do a really, really good job of making life difficult for your star initiators and you need to squeeze out bench production where you can get it. He's going to have to be good at some point in the playoffs. Yeah. We're going to yeah. have to need to see the old campaign, and we certainly haven't seen him uh, to this point. It's tough. Incredibly likable guy. Really fun player throughout his career in the Suns. And it's just a really tough stretch for him. It'd be nice to see him get back to himself. I just want to end here. Chris Paul, once again, we didn't talk enough about it. 28, 14, and 4, 10 for 18 shooting, zero turnovers, a masterful game by Chris Paul. And it's just, it's just insane where you feel like, has he done enough? You know, you think, kind of think that (laughs) going into the fourth. And then he just does it all in the fourth quarter. And he does it all for an extended stretch. And people know what's coming, and you can't stop it because Chris Paul is so good at navigating screens that there's nothing you can do. And it's just, we've seen it time and time and time and time again. But to be able to do it in these moments, like what we're seeing now, where Devin Booker is not playing, as Doris Burt mentioned a few times during the game, that is a remarkable thing by Chris Paul, and you can't take it for granted. It's just amazing for him to be able to do it. And who knows how much longer he'll be able to do it. So you got to enjoy it while it's happening. Got to enjoy it and don't take it for granted. Yeah. He was amazing. He was amazing. All right. We'll be back after the next game. The next game is Sunday. Woo! I'm excited about that one. We appreciate everyone for joining us, by the way, on playback. It was really fun. And it also, I think it helped me to remember the game because we were talking about it as it happened. So that helped us a lot. We'll try and do another one of those. If this gets to game six, maybe game six. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully the Suns just went out from here. 
Um, my panic level was high before this game. I feel a little better after this one, knowing that they can still hit another gear as far I as the shooting. I felt physically ill after the last game, and now I feel so much better. Yeah. It's crazy how one game in a playoff series can do that. <laughs> it's really amazing. Yes. All right. All right we enjoy your weekend. You yeah, enjoy, enjoy your weekend. weekend, folks. And hopefully, it'll be capped off nicely on Sunday night. Yep. Talk to you Sunday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.